Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 77. So many episodes. Yeah, crazy. So little time. I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. And today we have with us the amazing Audra Fascinelli of Wrong Speak Publishing. Thank you, Audra, for making the time for hanging out with us. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of crazy stuff, but first, please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, share. Uh, if you want to give us money, feel free to do that. There are donation links in the description. Shower us with the money, Cash please. app, Venmo, PayPal, et cetera, et cetera. You can send me crypto too. Just DM me. Yeah. Know. Send us like digital special internet money, please. Oh my God. I'd love all your Dogecoin. <laughs> um, <laughs> take Dogecoin, but yeah. All right. Let's jump into it, Brent. <laughs> so, Audra, um, just let us know. How did you 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 are the deputy deputy editor at Wrong Speak Publishing? Um, how, how did you and uh, Mr. Mr. Coleman, Mr. Adam Coleman, come together? How did you um, connect, and what got you involved in the sort of like Twitter culture war space? Like, how did you? What was your sort of like calling? Political awakening, we'll say. Well, to be honest with you, I think. <laughs> so I started following Adam and I went on um, some of his, he used to host um, culture spaces or whatever. And so I started commenting on his spaces and then eventually we started talking more and more. And I said to him, you know, I want to do what you do. Like, I want, I want to write for the New York Post. Like, I want to do this stuff. Like. How did you get here? And he was like, well, I got a bunch of followers. I treated Twitter like a business. And um, I wrote a lot. And, you know, so I started writing articles for him. And um, I think for me, lips of TikTok was like, woo! Not the only one. I'm sure that... What? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on here? Like for a lot of people, a red pill where they were like, "Wait, what the hell? This exists." <laughs> well, what really got me probably was um, the episode about um, Alan Walker. I don't know if you remember Alan Walker, the um, guy who was explaining how um, we need to refer to pedophiles as Mac. Oh, he's and the one who founded that term? Um, so apparently it's a term in academia, which is what I found. Like I did a bunch of digging into like the Prostasia Foundation in particular and like yeah. their researchers. And it's kind yeah. of scary how many yeah, of them. I, heard, um, I think it was, uh, I think Shoe on Head did a whole like expose or whatever on them. She yeah. About it. Yeah, I did a real deep dive into like what they believe compared to like the criminal justice, um, Department of Criminal Justice. Yeah. And um, so it's just, it just sounded so odd to me. Like my educational background, I not that this means much, but I have a bachelor's of applied health science. And so what that taught me to do is it taught me to like look at research and papers and things like that and like critically them. And I was looking at the Prestasio Foundation's research and I was like, this research is really just incomplete and spotty and very biased and just like <laughs> leaning yeah. in the pedophile's favor. And um, I don't know if you know this, but pedophiles lie a lot. Oh, I imagine <laughs> they do. <laughs> so 
you know, to take them at face value when they say things like, well, I've never offended or, you know, I, um, I had this happen or that happened. I just think it's very dangerous yeah. to like post your whole research paper on 67 supposed pedophiles who've never molested anybody. It just sounded like very, people may, you can't draw that many conclusions from 67 people and their subjective, like. Yeah, I think you, you would you would need a bigger, probably test group to really get, like a bigger slice, you know. Size. What was that? Sample size. A sample size, yeah. Sample size. Is hard. But yeah, then I started getting called a right wiener. <laughs> oh, oh yeah well that's always interesting right when you start talking about this stuff doesn't matter where you come from you're automatically alt-right you're this you're that like yeah and so i actually started digging into like well what do right winners actually yeah. believe and i was like oh this is interesting like, maybe i am a right winger yeah that's that's kind of what what ended up happening i was like huh maybe i'm a right winner but i think also to um the whole transitioning kids thing that really got me really fired up for us, that was it for sure. That's a big one for us. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, the drag kid moment was a big one for me in 2019 when they started to popularize uh, Desmond is Amazing. Yeah. We're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. The, uh, the one up in uh, Montreal. I think it's uh, Queen Lactatia. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Names, I can't with yeah. these names. Yeah. Not it's just like, this is not like who, whoever thought drag culture, children, let's just yeah. mix them. Oh, together. that's a great idea. Great idea. Yeah. No. Totally, totally good activity to get some kids involved in. Like, well, people kept telling me to do more research, and the problem is, is the more research I did, the more I didn't like. It. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, like you, a lot. You like, just educate yourself, okay? It's like, well, I did. I educated myself in, like, yeah, that that's everything you believe is crazy. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're crazy. You're you're unethical. Like you're you're um, committing child abuse. Like yeah, this so. is not. It's, it's sorry ridiculous. it's ridiculous brett and i take it particularly personal because we're gay and it reflects on us in a, in a very specific way in the culture war because we get lumped in with this stuff and you know we don't want that we want to like draw that line and say hey hello that doesn't represent all of us so yeah no and and i definitely i've been that's kind of what kind of piqued my interest too because i have gay friends i have bisexual friends i have friends in in the LGBT community, whatever you want to call yourself. Yeah. And um, I was like, it, it just, the rampant homophobia, I think, like trying to force people to date people, like it's that so really bothered me. I was like, this is like, it's been, it's been a creeping thing too. It's been something that I've noticed just more of over the last few years, I feel. Um, it's become more culturally acceptable to just let people talk like that to us. And we're just <laughs> like, that's the, fine. The yeah. strange thing about it too, is it's being driven in large part by uh, folks in the sex worker space who have, you know, trained and are, you know, making, so I'm just like, like, let's just, you know, you're talking about people that have a primary source of income is, you know, doing things with other people, adult things on the internet. And we're supposed to take, you know, cues about our sexuality and how we are supposed to behave from them. Yeah. Man, that's, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, maybe, maybe this is a little backwards. Yeah. Maybe this is a bit inverted here. This is, uh, 
not the place we should be going to for, you know, how sexuality and how adults should in you're, general behave. You're right, though. I have noticed that quite a bit of that stuff seems to come. They from all have OnlyFans only accounts. Types. Yeah, it they're is all on Twitter. They're all like these like Twitter XX accounts that have OnlyFans things. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, but it's like, you know, there are people also speaking out against it. Like there are drag queens. I've, you know, there's a viral video going around of this drag queen. I I keep forgetting her Kitty name. Kitty Demir. Kitty Demir. You know, so it's like there are people within the community speaking out too and like saying like, well, hey, look, I'm a drag queen and you shouldn't want me around kids. Like what I do is not for them. Or Audra, so, have you seen the latest? How do I explain this? It turns gay people into circus freaks. Yes. Like if that's the only time that your child is spending with a gay person you really think you're teaching them something really like good you it's know? like what we're clowns or something yes. like yeah like, we, read to you, we read to you in clown makeup and we dance around on stage and that is how you learn about gays yeah uh, and I, I blame rupaul for a lot of this because Probably, yeah by commercializing drag culture and turning it into this long-running series it's sort of, you know, popularized it for the straight people. And now you have, you know, basically kids that were raised on RuPaul. Like Desmond is amazing and said that, you know, he was watching it when he was two years old. And uh, they, of course, they want to, you know, put drag on because it yeah. looks like so much fun. And of course, the parents, you know, why they're they're watching their parents react to this, and the parents are, oh, yeah, you know, rooting and hollering, and yes, yeah. and they're giving, you know, all the adulation to the drag queens on the TV, and the, the child wants sees, oh, if I if I want to get adulation, I just have to do what do the drag that. queens yeah. on the TV are doing. And so, of course, that's what they do, and then. If you start doing it yeah. at two, you're going to think that that's your identity. You, you would think this would be common freaking knowledge, too, by now, of where we are in society and everything we know about human psychology and, like, the development of the brain and, like, the, say, the impact of those first four <laughs> years and the things that happen you in know, those first four years of a kid's life. It's, it's really like, we should know this. Because, you know, I was thinking about this today. I was, like, just flipping through TikTok, and I saw some some dad had his, like, infant, you know, baby uh, you know, answering the phone. I mean, probably like a toddler, actually. It was like, you know, like a small child. And you know, the kid was like picking up the phone and being like, bah, 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 bah. and then he was like, you know, obviously emulating one of the parents. And so I was like, that kid, that, that kid's got a future. You know, he's already like going to work with dad, get yelling at people. <laughs> get, yeah, exactly, exactly. Used to it. As opposed to like, you know, well, this is what you can, you know, this is the, the power of parenting, right? The responsibility of parenting. So that, that I guess, leads us into Is that we, um, we already know, for example, there's been a big pushback against pageants for mm -hmm. little girls because it's kind of Same sexual. Thing. It's sexually provocative. You're putting your, your little girl in a bikini and you're strutting her around. But Make yet, yeah. but yet, people are okay with the, the drag kids. And I'm like, um, I don't think, I don't think we should turn children into performance artists. Yeah, we should. There is a difference though. And I will point out this difference. Um, and I'm not saying I agree with the pageant stuff. Cause I, I don't, I think, I think you're right about all of that. It's just the same shit and exploiting kids. It all needs to go. But there, there definitely isn't some like large cultural movement within the mainstream Hollywood celebrity culture on television and movies and, and schools and education to like push pageant culture on our kids. And this is the difference with the, um, you know, the gender ideology stuff is this is different. It's not 
the same. So when, when they try to like use that against us, say, as an argument and say, oh, well, why don't you, why aren't you this up in arms about the pageants? And I've seen this on Twitter. People do this shit. And I'm just like, well, yes, I disagree with that too, but this is also not the same thing. Like, are there, are there like pageant classes in schools? Are there lessons in the curriculum about how to be a pageant girl? Like, no, you know, this is not the same thing at all. This is a different thing. It's, it's on a bigger scale, I think, when we're looking at the gender ideology stuff and all that, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's very disturbing and I really don't like it. That's yeah. why I'm glad that we have a lot of people, you know, coming together, speaking out against it. Um, even though, you know, it's it, it's very unpopular to speak out against it. You know, you get called a bully. Yes. You get called turf. Uh, <laughs> all nasty. Turf, things. you know, all these weird, like, you know, Proud terms. turf. Proud turf right here. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a turf just because I wouldn't describe myself as a it's radical feminist. feminist. But at the same time, I just don't like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not believing the fiction that, you know, trans women are women. Like, that's an obvious lie. Yeah, we're team reality. Yeah, well, like. about yeah. that other day. And just because someone's uncomfortable with being a man doesn't mean that they are a woman. Like, yes. it could be that they are just uncomfortable with being a man. And you might want to explore why it is that you're so uncomfortable with your body and your and your manness, you know what I mean? And try and figure that out. I don't know if you've heard of Tulip. We talked about Tulip. Yeah, Richie was on the show, yeah. Episodes back. Tragic, tragic story. Wow, man. And he carries himself with such poise, too. Like, I really admire him. And, and humor. Yeah. And humor. He brought levity to it. He made me feel more comfortable talking about these very uncomfortable things, you know, that are difficult to chat about. But, you know, to what you said, vice versa as well, I wanted to point out, you know, just because you're a, a woman and you don't feel comfortable being a woman, that does not mean you are a man. And you need to find some way to get in touch with your womanness and to really accept that womanness about you. Because, you know, we had another D-trans person on who is Laura Becker. And Laura Becker, unlike Richie, Laura Becker was um, F2M. And that was Laura's struggle, was accepting her, her femaleness, her, her womanhood. And it was a whole journey for her. And for Richie, it was accepting his manhood. And it was a whole journey for him. And especially being someone who realized he was just gay. And if, if that had just been accepted or like kind of explained in, in a way when he was younger, then maybe he wouldn't have been so confused and thought maybe he shouldn't have been a boy at all. Because when you're gay, you do sometimes feel like you're not man enough. You're less of a man. There's something missing that you're never going to be able to fulfill your full manness. And when you're very, very young and you start coming to terms with your gayness, yeah, it's confusing as shit. So... Well, I mean, and I think too, what, what I found was really odd is I wrote a huge paper about why I don't like like basically in particular, like you said blockers. Yes. Puberty okay. blockers. Um, and to be honest with you, like even from a medical perspective, I don't understand why anyone's describing me. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're telling me that this kid is trans. Okay. And eventually they might want to grow up and get the surgery. Now, I don't know if you know anything about these surgeries, but it's something called a penile inversion surgery, where basically- Unfortunately, we do, but you could explain it to you. The penis, they cut it and they fold it in on itself. And, the, and they drill a hole, okay? Mm. And they invert the penis into that hole. 
Now the problem though with the puberty blockers is they keep the penis like just <laughs> okay. right. so you don't have enough material to actually do the surgery properly. So then you have to turn around and you start harvesting like the pull parts of your colon so that way you can have a nice butt vagina. You can so that's what I was saying. So like I don't understand why you would give puberty blockers to anybody trans because you're you're messing up any ability they have to have a normal surgery. And on top of that, even Marcy Bowers admits that if you block a kid between the ages of 10 and 12, they have no sexual function. So they have no sex drive. Okay. And no orgasm, like no sex drive, no orgasm. And like, yeah, maybe the kids pass easier, but <laughs> you're trading look for functionality, you know? And I don't think that you can fix looks like they got facial. I mean, look at Blair White. She looks great, you know. She yeah, she. It's, we were talking about this um on our last episode actually, which is coming out today. But we were talking about well, no, or was it on our live stream? We we're talking about no, it was on Carrie's live stream. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the days are blending together. We've been talking to so many people, but we were chatting with uh, you know how weird it would be to use the he pronouns for someone like Blair in a social situation where say someone didn't know Blair was trans. It would actually be awkward if you called Blair he. They would be confused because Blair passes so well that they would be like, "Why are you calling that woman?" <laughs> women of heat, you know? So there are obviously exceptions to this. And I think a lot of the radical ones just, they hate Blair because they don't pass. So same. Well, yeah. And, and that's what I mean. They like, they look at these puberty blockers and they're like, wow, the kid passes so well. And I'm like, wow, they have no sexual functions yeah. Yay, for the rest of their life. Blair and, has that. Still. And then the question becomes like, how does, how, how can a child consent to that? You know, like yes. we, we change, you know, we're not the same person, you know, from year to year, let alone, you know, across decades or, you know, like 30, 40 years. And, and how can it blows my mind? It's a triage situation. So yeah. like, let's say you go into the hospital and you have a gang gangrenous leg. All right. Now, if you had gone in there earlier, they could have given you antibiotics. They probably could have saved your leg. Okay, but at that point, it's too late. So they got to, you know, chop your leg off. That's what they're acting like. They're acting like that this is such a serious situation that the kids experience in puberty. They, they have to literally, castrating them is better than them ending up dead. That's not... That's not the situation, though. It didn't have to be a choice between that. Like, oh, it's it's going to kill themselves, or you let them mutilate themselves and take. I mean, look at the way you handle other suicidal patients. You yeah. put them in the psych ward. You take away sharp objects. You you know. You try you, to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you work. You through, on antidepressants yeah. if necessary. I don't know. Oh. Have you have you ever heard of body identity dysphoria? No body identity dysphoria. Ooh, let me tell you all about this. <laughs> I love it. I love the excitement. So there is a disorder, very rare. Well, it's rare now. We'll see if TikTok gets a hold of it, and it won't be rare. Yeah, once TikTok gets it, that's it. <laughs> but your fault, Where the person, let's say you have two hands, they identify as person a person with one hand. 
they feel that the other hand is not their hand, that it shouldn't be there. I feel like I have heard of this. And they will go to crazy lengths to get rid of this hand. So like there were some cases where somebody put their leg on a train track, for example, just to wow. get it completely mangled to the point where the surgeon couldn't do anything about it. Holy um, shit. They've shot their hand off. They've done all kinds of things. And they think wow. it has something to do with the brain that yeah. there's a disconnect in the part of the brain that recognizes your body as your body. Okay. And so what yeah. these researchers tried to do is they gave them a shit ton of antidepressants to get them to basically just to stop, you know, stop trying to hurt yourself. Okay. Yeah, seriously. You know? Yeah, actually. What's even scarier about this is the conclusion that they came to is that the only way to get rid of the obsession was to actually chop their hand off. And I was like, I think, I think learning to live with an obsession that's unhealthy for you and learning self-control surrounding that obsession might be a better, healthier path. Yeah. Um, especially if you've ever talked to somebody with an addiction. I mean, clearly everybody knows somebody who's who's been addicted to something, and it is. Yeah. It's, it's an obsession in the mind, and they have to redirect, you know, find support, etc. So um, do you think that there's, I guess, a similarity in the extremity of, like, why these people feel they need to go to those lengths? With this and the journey that some people are, are going to because they feel like they are the other gender. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and I think what clued me into it is the fact that a lot of trans people, when I was reading a surgery from um, a study, I'm sorry, from Sweden, they stated that the, pers that the only thing that really reduced the suicidality was the genital surgery. And so it kind of got me thinking, is this truly people who feel that they are the opposite sex or is this are these people who hate their a particular body part to the point where they will do anything in their power to get rid of the body part? Because if that's the case, then it'd be really very simple, you know what I mean, to treat. You could treat it very easily without hormones and transitioning and all this other stuff. If you don't like the body part, you can get rid of that body part. And I think, I think there is a level of that choice that has to be allowed into the hands of adults for sure. And, you know, Brent and I definitely, we're not like authoritarians where we think, you know, we need to just ban all this in general and no one should be allowed to do things to their bodies, you know, but maybe, but maybe, maybe you should wait. Ban it for underage. Maybe ban and ban it for <laughs> underage people. Yes. And put a hard, we'll start with the hard line at 18 but frankly, we think, you know, the line really should be more. I think 25 on the brain is when the brain's basically done developing. And it's just, if your dysphoria is still continuing past, then, then maybe there is an issue. But, you know, look, uh, I think Richie was like 24, 25, right? Yeah, he was in his late 20s. So it's, and there are a lot of people, I'm sure. The culture, yeah. really the medical culture has to change. Yeah. This idea of, you know, gender affirming care, this yeah. euphemism for cross-sex hormone treatments, yeah. anti-androgens. That you have to affirm and you can't 
question them the, at the, all. Yeah, like, like and this idea that questioning them is somehow going erasure to of them going to make lead, them kill well, themselves. No, it's, yeah, to lead to increases in suicidality. It's it's totally unsubstantiated. Yeah. You know what leads to increases in suicidality is you know like bullying, intolerance. You know like difficulties with housing, with income. That's the kind of stuff that increases suicidality. Not you know their therapist you know being like, hey, maybe we should see if it's a trauma issue yeah. before we see if it's a gender issue because a lot of these people do have trauma. This is a lot of like child sexualhood, uh, child sexual abuse, I think, being manifest. And it, there's a lot of well, and there's a lot of that in gay culture that goes undiagnosed. So, but Richie, from what I recall, Richie didn't have that in his upbringing, but he did grow up in like an environment that felt just kind of, I guess, homophobic. He grew up, grew up hearing things that were homophobic, even amongst his family and his cool with his family now. And I think, you know, he's kind of worked all that stuff out, but just growing up, you internalize things around you from your culture. And if you feel you can't express that part of yourself, then you start to feel weird and different. And he just kind of withdrew into himself, oh, but they, he wasn't sexually. They, abused they medically like heard you so, through this process yes. of transitioning just because it's the dominant medical, yeah. you know, dog. Well, the scariest part about it too. So I looked into this study that was done by the Trevor project. And, and as I previously discussed, Subjective self-reporting is usually not the best indicator of a problem. Like it's a good start. Yeah. It's a good, like, like I'm coming out with a study right now about schools. That article should be published soon, but um, there is, <laughs> when you're relying on subjective self-reporting of things like suicidality, rather than, for example, comparing the rates of hospitalization for suicidal ideation in in trans youth treated with puberty blockers compared to trans youth who are not treated with puberty blockers. That to me would have been a much more thorough, much more solid piece of, of evidence. But long story short is this study that Rachel Levine is relying on, that the White House is relying on, that the Trevor Project is pushing was funded by the people who make the puberty wow. yeah, see, That's a conflict of interest right there. And that should wow. give everyone pause about this for sure. And and that's why I couldn't figure it out. So when I was originally writing my article, I was like, why can't I find anything else that says this? Like I went, I went to the National Institute of Health. I went to the National Health Services, the NHS over in Europe. I went to Sweden. I went to... I went everywhere and I was like, I can't find any other study that replicates these two hmm. And this is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> really weird. But also, I think what really turned me on to it too was just, yeah, so I started looking into it and I was just like, yeah, this is really kind of medically unethical and really gross. And I don't know what these doctors are thinking. I don't know what, what, what broke in their brains that like they can't think for themselves. But um, the good news is though, is I did read an article where the, apparently there are pediatricians who are fighting back yeah. against the AAP. Um, There's more of that. I have a feeling we're gonna see a big wave very, very soon. Um, thank God, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> it, it relieved a lot of the, the fears I have about taking my, my um, a little bun in the oven to the doctor. 
Yes, congratulations. Congrats, yeah. How far along are you? I am 22 weeks. Oh, wow. Awesome. So that, that kind of lead, is a great lead into another subject that Brent and I wanted to discuss um, with you, and that's the subject of parenting. And we kind of touched on it a bit already. You know, we talked about those first four years and how important those first four years are. But, you know, I guess we'll start off with this kind of question. Like, like are we in a society now where the family unit is breaking down? Um, I, th I think personally we are. Um, I don't know about you, like what your opinions are of that. But what do you think? And do you think that that's at the root of a lot of the issues we're seeing with all sorts of things, you know, not just the trans stuff, but I think with racial issues in the country as well. And then even the class disparity and stuff like that, you know, people, the victim mentality, et cetera, all of it, I think is kind of interlinked in this breaking down of mental community, illness. mental illness, just breaking down of community and of the family unit and healthy families. There's a lot of unhealthy, dysfunctional families out there, broken families. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and in fact, I, I definitely think that. I think that um, I haven't done much research into it. If you wanted to ask Adam, he'd be more yeah. of a more of a expert in that. We but chat do, about this, yeah. But I do think, um, just especially just men who don't seem to be interested in having kids, it, it really seems like that's an epidemic. And then there's women who absolutely want to have kids and they want to have a family and everything else like that. But like, they don't know how to be married, basically. Like I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. So what was so funny about me is what attracted me so much to faith in particular is just the focus on family. And I was like, well, maybe if I become Catholic, I can learn how to be a better wife, a better mother, a better, you know, that's interesting. That's an interesting <laughs> way to approach taking on religion as well. Yeah. I mean, I saw these people and they were happy, you know, and they had, had kids, a bunch of kids. I saw a lot of fathers holding the babies. That was yeah. always so. I was like, wow, look, men take do childcare. Interesting. You know, I was like, this is exciting, you know. Um, and so I think I'm going to raise my kid probably very differently than what I was raised. I was kind of a free range kid. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Find yourself, you know. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> you might be right in that there are a lot of men right now who don't want to have families. And it's kind of sad, too, because, like, see, so yeah, I know, I'm like trying not to slide this way, the floor slant it. So, and it's sad because there are, you know, there are men out there, say, like, like me, who are gay <laughs> and we can't just have yes, kids. Baby and would want kids. So it is a little disheartening to see that, that there are so many who don't. And it's it ties into gay issues too, because I think one of the reasons that there's so much immaturity in the gay community and a lot of just promiscuity and all this stuff and no no real stability for a lot of gay men is, is we don't have that. And I think that it goes for men in general. When men don't have that come into their lives, a lot of them don't get to a point where they get their shit together. And I've seen this so many times in my own life from people I know, just friends of mine I grew up with, say, who went to high school. And, like, maybe they were, you know, fuck arounds when they were in high school. And, like, they just, you know, dicked around and stuff. And then all of a sudden they had a kid. <laughs> and, like, they just, something clicked, something changed. I know it's not always the case. There are the deadbeat fathers. They leave. They run away from the situation. But for other ones, it's like something clicks when that kid comes into the picture and it makes the man 
become more responsible because he feels that sense now that all right well now it's not just me now I have to fatherly take duty beings. yeah like that duty kicks in and because there's such a lack of that in the gay community i think that's why you find a lot of just peter pan syndrome and that sort of thing but we're seeing it across the board i think as a society like you said there's a lot of men who just don't want kids or they're not interested but um sometimes i feel like when i'm talking to somebody and i'm not trying to knock all of gen z but sometimes when i'm talking to that age group i'm like was i this immature at 20. i feel like no exactly what you mean (laughs) maybe i was but like i just don't quite remember being yeah. To some extent, I'm sure, yeah, we were very similar. I totally was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was a little similar. But. I was a shitty, I didn't, I, I decided at an early age that I didn't want kids. And then I hit like 31, 32. And I was like, I'm going to get a dog. <laughs> Just to allay yeah. the, uh, the the biological clock tick-tocking inside my head. And it worked. Yeah. Like, you know, like my... <laughs> So eternal instincts were quelled by having a child. Another aspect, though, I think that's interesting here about, like, why maybe there's a lot of Peter Pan syndrome in the gay community, aside from not having the kids, is, like, there's something about the the feminine force, energy, that kind of keeps men in check and helps them kind of regulate themselves to an extent. And men, obviously, we, we are very horny sexual beings. This is not just a stereotype. It is very much a fact we do think about sex like a lot like way too much sometimes and when you just throw a bunch of men together they're less likely to say no right to each other whereas women are much they are much more selective and they tend to be the more selective sex in the in the whole mating game so i think they kind of keep men in check more and can reel them in but when you have a whole culture where it's just men with men you can see how that, you know, that lack of maybe a feminine regulating force creates the type of, the type of thing we see, you know? I have no opinion. You guys are experts. I'm definitely not. I'm just speculating here, you know, but yeah. I, think, I think it's all related, you know, just again, breakdown of the family unit, a lack of like strong male role models and father figures and just well, less, less want to be that. Like I also noticed kind of a little bit of toxic Feminism, if that makes any sense. And kind of what I mean by that is too much coddling. Well, no, women are like, screw the guy. Like, I'm not going to put up with nothing. And I'm like, really? Nothing? Like, you're not going to try to work on anything with this person? You don't want to help him at all. Like men need comfort too. We need hugs. There was an article not too long ago. I can't remember what, uh, you know, thing it was published in, but it was the story about a woman who had decided that she sort of wanted to like walk away from her husband and kids and she just like wasn't feeling it anymore. And it was like <laughs> this sort of like celebratory, like good for her, like you go. Yes. Girl. And that's what you're talking about. Like that's I'm I'm like, well I want a man, but I don't want to put up with anything that men do. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, you know, you're gonna have to Welcome to the real world where adults have to negotiate relationships through compromise and, you know, mutual respect. And you can't just, I don't know, like, you can't just give up. Like, I don't know. Let me go back to my my Catholic faith for a second. I can't just file for divorce. Okay. I have to literally go through an annulment process and it's very technical. So like, but basically what an annulment means is that 
you were never married because the other person went into it with false pretenses. So like, they lied about their intentions, they lied about whether or not they wanted kids, lied about their finances, lied about, you know, previous relationships, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think, I don't know, I think people get divorced too easily. That's probably true. I think, I think you're right. I think maybe we should impress a little more on the culture. Like, hey, look, if two people get together and you end up having a kid and maybe you, you aren't good for each other, like, sure, maybe it's not working for you guys. Maybe you do fight. Maybe you do have to sort of like break up. I think if you're going to do that, stay together still. Maybe break up and you can have your own separate lives, but I would still try to uphold that, at least that image of a family for the kid until they get to a certain point. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's just better for the kid because the it's divorce, the divorce thing is really damaging. Just work, just like work on it. Work on it. If you can work on it, yes, absolutely. But even if you can't, again, I still think it's just like, man, when you separate, it does a lot of damage, you know? And because I know some, I know some people get together and they're just bad for each other, you know? And I understand that there are obviously times when maybe you just can't work it out. And, right. And well, I'm looking too, we, we approach marriage kind of like, you know, like nobody has any tough conversations. Like yeah. when, I first, when I went on my first date with my husband, I asked him like, where do you see yourself in five years? How many kids do you want? Like, are you religious? Like, like can we, let's have this conversation, you know? It was very much like, I'm looking for a partner. I'm not looking for a good time. Yeah. So, um, it's a different attitude of dating that I think needs to be. How you approach it for sure makes all the difference. Yeah. It's a much more mature attitude toward dating. Yeah. The, the hookup culture thing is, it's a thing, you know, it's an epidemic, not just among gay men. Obviously, it's really bad among gay men, but like among straight people too. It's just there's a lot of lack of commitment or fear of that. And just like you said, the whole independent strong woman thing is that's big right now in society. There are definitely a lot of women, women out there who I feel they want the career path. And then they feel like, well, they deserve that and to have like the family at the same time and make the same amount of money. And it's a whole argument over there, over that. It's, yeah, I mean, if you're a woman, if you choose career is what I guess what I'm saying is if you're a woman and you choose the career path, you probably might end up sacrificing in the realm of family. And that's something you're going to have to accept, you know? Or if you choose to have a bunch of kids, you might. Yeah have to turn down a few promotions because yep. you need to, to be home more, you know, but I, I think this idea, that's the one thing I do want to instill in my kid is you can't be in everything that you want to be. Yeah. Like, like life is a negotiation. You have to think about what are your priorities? What are you good at? What are you, you bad at? Like, et cetera. You know, that's probably the most damaging life. You can be anything you want to be. Yeah. When you really think about that, actually, you're right. <laughs> it's such a fucking lie. It's such bullshit. Well, it could be anything you want. We have this actually, cultural, no. we have this idea of like lying to kids is like it's a good thing. Like, you know, we lie about Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, we lie about like, you know, the nature of the world. And, you know, now we're lying about sex and gender, telling the kids that they, you can be any gender, any sex, you know, you, you want. And it's just like, stop. Like, stop lying to the children. Like, I don't understand why they feel the need to push all this stuff, you know, the, the pronouns and the gender identity and stuff, you know, like clearly there's something weird going on there. Like there's no, 
there's if they had tried to do this 10, 15, 20 years ago, the teachers would have been locked up. They'd have been, you know, arraigned on charges. Like imagine a kindergarten teacher talking to a child about, uh, you know, masturbation when I was, you know, a young person, that teacher would have been arrested immediately. (laughs) And maybe that's, we should go back towards that direction because kindergartners don't need to know about that. And the books. There are laws in the books. Um, It's called Disseminating Material That Is Harmful to Children. And basically, there's usually a law like that in every single state. And they have an exception for it if it's for educational purpose. Now, I'm sorry. I would would strongly, like, if you show my kids a picture book of dildos, like, I'm going to literally go to the police and be like, you tell me whether this has an educational purpose to it. Because... You know, maybe a judge can look at it and, and see whether or not they think this has an act, actual educational purpose. Because in this argument, too, like from people, well, we got to make sure the kids are having safe anal sex. I'm like, what are you talking about? The kids shouldn't be having anal sex to begin with. You know, like, I think they can, when they get older, they can sneak off to a sex shop, you know, and ask some questions like the rest of us did. Like, yeah, it's it's very bizarre how quick, you know, they are to want to inculcate, you know, children in the single digits, you know, zero through like nine years old on all this advanced, you know, homosexuality, kink, self-pleasure. Uh, no, like just leave we have safe masturbation. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? If it hurts, don't do it. Like, right. again, like. There you go. There's your safe masturbation lesson. Don't go sticking things in inside yourself that don't belong there. <laughs> like, oh, geez. I don't know why this is such a complicated issue and why there are so many. Well, I guess it's, you know, there, I, I feel like this is part of a, a broader agenda. You know, like they're using this as sort of like a like a little prop for their like little neo-communist driving a wedge between young people and older generations. Cause that's sort of the, the standard model whenever you want to throw a communist revolution in the country is you, you got to create that, you know, revolutionary class of young people. Um, but if anything, it seems like it's, it's backfiring a little bit because we've seen less and less LGBTQ, whatever plus K tolerance, um, you know, coming out of the youth. I feel bad. I actually, I actually do feel bad a little bit because I'm like, I don't. <laughs> good. <laughs> I, there's yeah. not enough of us being like this needs to stop. You know, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm my voice. In a bit. And even you know, my my fellow my fellow gays, like when I bring it up, it's it, we have you know, it's like uh, we look like Trump supporters all of a sudden. Yep. You know, we're like look like oh, you were taught we're going against the church of gay. And we're it's literally like, saying just reel it in a bit. That's it. We're not even like we're not telling you to go My back theme, into the fucking closet. Like we've gone gay too far. We just need to gay go back a little bit. We went a little, 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 little gay, gay too far. far. Let's just reel it in. up just a little, a little bit. bit, you know, and, and leave the children out of the shit because it's not for them. And it never was and it never should be. Yeah. And keep it in your spaces. Keep it in your BDSM clubs. Keep it at the drag show clubs and, and the bars and shit. Like, yeah. You know, if you want to keep those there. things, because if you keep pushing for involvement, you might lose those things. We, we, might, we might lose yeah. those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I am. Like I said, I think the pendulum is swing a little too far in the other direction. And all like I saw this meme of 
the LGB working so hard for like societal acceptance and then the TQ plus and the, yeah. there's a burnt house burning in the background yeah. with somebody with a big old smile on their face and I'm yeah. There's, a, there's a few of those so there's the one with the bus and it's like the bus is and, uh, yeah, and it's like lgb and then the train comes and like plows through the bus and knocks it off course and it's the tq plus like yeah, yeah. I, you know what i thought was really interesting and a piece i want to write about is this internal little civil war that i yeah. see going on it's real it is very real you are not just seeing things we're in it we're immersed in it we're a part of it there's definitely an internal war going on amongst the gays and, and the l's and the i call them the, the alphabet and... gays because they have all these little acronym communities like glad yeah. and uh... yeah they love their little acronyms whereas we're the based gays we're just like <laughs> people like we just want to be people you know it's like stop using me as yeah. a prop in your weird politics to brainwash children yeah, i'm not your token gay you don't need to be <laughs> around every election season to get votes. You should make merch. I'm not your token gay. Not your token that. gay. Yeah. That's, That's a good, a good idea. Like we should that. get dangerous rhetoric shirts. Writing not that token down gay. right now. Writing that down. My one, my one shirt that I want to get is I used, I was a trans kid and now I'm not. And, I, and I, think, I think that was something to be honest with you, not to go all the way back to trans, but that's something that I think what really bothered me about this is I was that little girl with that short haircut playing in the mud with chocolate trucks and like beating the hell out of boys with sticks. Nice. And once I even asked my mother, I said, I think I'm a boy. And then she goes, no, you're not a boy. You just like to play with chocolate trucks and mud. I said, oh, okay, thanks. You know, and I ran. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said to her, I want to be a boy. And then she goes, well, why do you want to be a boy? And I'm like, because I want to like rough house and do this and do that. Because I was having a hard time with puberty. Yeah. I mean, like puberty changed everything. Like it's I had all guy friends. We played, we had fun. Then all of a sudden I hit puberty and they were acting weird. Yeah. Really yeah. Weird. And I was like, you know what? This is not. I don't know <laughs> this. <laughs> nobody <laughs> like puberty it's fucking awkward puberty so. sucks <laughs> so anyway yeah. I, there, I said i want to be a boy and she's like no nah, you don't you sound, then yeah. I got a little bit older and i thought i was a lesbian <laughs> for a while and she was like well, nah, you know, women? and i said i don't think so <laughs> and anyway now now i'm i'm an adult but but just imagine had my had yeah. my mother bought into this whole garbage oh, yeah. gender clinic right now. You I'd would. be on the show talking about how well when I was four, I thought I was a boy and now I'm 20, 30 years old and, and not. this experience is so common. common. Yeah. There are so yeah. many women who went through a tomboy phase. Yeah when it's like and it's okay to be just that and now they're cutting into some of them removing their breasts yeah. medicating them as if there's something wrong you know it's just it's, it boggles my mind and it makes yeah. me so angry when all they had to say was it's okay to be a girl it's okay to be that way. Yeah. it's okay to be a girl who who wants to rough house with with the boys and we know that she was right. like i know you're uncomfortable right now because your body's going through a lot of changes but you'll get more comfortable as you get older and that and like like i said i thought about that would be my one big thing would be i was it because i know that we're out there i know we're out there like i hear from women constantly i wanted to be a boy when i was young too yeah, like, we hear that 
gay men too we hear it all the time gay men who who thought they they were probably a girl when they were younger you know just because they didn't feel normal as a boy or because they had feminine behaviors yeah, you know they liked they like yeah. dress up they liked makeup they you know they, maybe they were a little bit more uh extroverted and they liked to perform you know and, and this is fine like you don't have to be you know a girl to be that you can yeah. be a man and be feminine and be amazing and perform like there's just this rush to medicalize and and transition with this misbegotten sort of like behind it there's this whole like you know if you don't do it they're gonna they're gonna self-delete and it's like no like that's not true like <laughs> what is that based on you know you're looking at people who have severe anxiety and depression problems and gender dysphoria and you're conflating all of these conditions and comorbidities and drawing, you know, the conclusion that suits your needs and your biases and, you know, where you want to take your, your It's also politics. manipulative. It's like, incredibly manipulative. Yeah, hey, it's not if, done in good if, you don't, if you don't give us what we want, we're going we're gonna to off ourselves. That's... Well, and it's just not true. It's a lie. Like, so much of this is, is we're being forced to accept a lie. And I think it's great that as a culture, uh, a lot of us are saying no. Like, we're not going to, this is a lie and we're not going to be lied to. And we're not going to be told that it's for our own good. And we're not going to let you cut up little kids anymore. Like, it's yeah. done. Yeah, no, I was seeing some of these doctors who were like, I love working with little kids. I said, enjoy it while it lasts <laughs> because we're coming for you, you know? Yeah. Like, Jail, yeah, this, jail. Do we need to jail? License revoked. Let's start. I, well, you know, I'm telling you, out of all, like, there's right probably there's probably a couple hundred surgeons in you know the country that are doing this to kids, cutting off the the breasts and, and cutting into the genitals. Right to jail. And I wouldn't be surprised if more than half of them had child abuse material in their possession, you know, on their hard drives or or have a history of it, you know, maybe they're undiscovered. Yeah, I didn't want to go that far. I didn't want to go that far, but I've started noticing, like, for example, this psychologist who um, works with the MAP community. She's another one who was like, we need to call them MAPs because it hurts your feelings. Is that, like, <laughs> that one with, like, the short haircut and the glasses? Yeah, it's always the giant glasses, too. Yeah. Like, that's always... I'm about ready to get LASIK so I don't get lumped in with those. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so anyway, it turns out that she was on like this board for transgender kids, and I was like, whoa! And so then you start to think, well, who likes baby penises? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just who, who, like, oh, who no, would want no. to? Who would want to like stop puberty? You know, say. What types of people say might not like puberty? I brushed the thought away. I was like, no, no, I'm going to have to see more. I'm going to have to see more evidence before I completely go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. I, it's happening in my brain, you know, over time. I've, I'm, I'm slowly starting to see this as institutionalized medical fetishism being practiced upon you know, deluded children who have been pre-programmed by a packaged ideology. And it, 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 I'm just, I don't call it, it's not medicine. You're not, you're not practicing medicine. You're not doing anything to address, you know, a medical necessity um, with these surgeries. And I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. And so I don't, I question anybody who is willing to take a scalpel to a child and start cutting, I just, I, and then to get paid for it, like the whole thing just skews me out. Yeah. And, and well, just, especially the whole breast things. Like, I don't know if you saw that doctor who was like, she can get new ones if she wants them. Uh, like, you can't breastfeed off of them. 
and also they have to be replaced every 10 years. Yeah, not the same <laughs> They get fungal infections. And so you have to literally take them out and put them back in. So I look at it more like um, from a profit motive. Like, oh, so now you're creating lifelong surgery patients. Each surgery is like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a pop to put in a new set of breast implants every 10 years for the rest of her life. From yep. the time she's twenty on, you know, like that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that you're get, that you're making off of this one individual. It's but yeah, very questionable uh, medical ethics here when it comes to you know the profits involved in these surgeries and this idea of entrapping a child before they can even consent to sex, let alone having their sex organs mutilated surgically and chemically, uh, it just boggles my mind. Because it, to me, like, how can, how can a child, uh, you know, or a parent for a child consent to permanent uh, sexual obliteration? You know, well, it's like, I even watched um, Jazz Jennings' documentary. I couldn't watch it all the way. I couldn't watch the season. But I was just, I was kind of mortified by the lack of counseling that I saw, like I was, I expected her to be going at least weekly, at least not, if not more, you know? And they're like, no, she doesn't like counseling. I'm like, well, who's the parent? <laughs> like, and then, oh, she wants to be an activist, but we're worried about her anxiety, depression. I'm like, well, then being an activist isn't really yeah. good <laughs> oh, dear. for your child, you know? Yeah, and so I want we have this trans housing by proxy where the parent wants to transition the child yes i know i i heard of that term i was like oh like makes sense yeah. well and, and it's a distinct well it is this sort of like distinct new form of munchausen by proxy you know that the parent maintains there's something wrong with the child they medicalize the situation and then medicate the child in order to accrue attention and really like, you know, for themselves. Well, the thing is that, uh, and then they get to be seen as the best parent because they're just so affirming and helpful. The and thing is there might actually be something wrong with the child, but like she's saying, like the, the, the focus isn't even on going to like psychology and therapy and trying to figure out what is wrong. Right, no, because- <laughs> no, it's go be an activist. And again, because like, of the money involved, they're putting the child on display yeah. and then bringing, you know, the money in. It's not, it's like, again, it's, it's not about the welfare. It's not about mental health is what it comes right. to. Right. And that's what I mean. Like you're, you're, you're taking this kid who already, you know, by your attesting is trans, which already puts them at a suicide rate of what? 40% suicidal yeah. rate at 40%. And then you turn around and you put this tiny little kid and you put them in front of the media and in front of like all of these groups for them to judge them basically. And it's just like, what are we yeah. doing? Yeah. Yeah, what, like, are, what are we doing exactly? And like, it'd be one thing if you know, like, I would, I would have a total different appreciation if this was like quietly happening, and you know, these children weren't being put on display and trotted out in front of the media, and sort of like celebrated and lauded. Yeah, it's going to make more kids you know, emulate. Because again, well, it, it, that's the thing. Like, this isn't about, you know, your personal private struggle. This is about accruing attention mm -hmm. and wealth unto yourself and using this trendy fad of gender bending in order to, to do it. Yeah. It makes me so mad. Those poor kids, they get caught up in it. But we'll have to see. Hopefully, you know, enough of this, we'll be pushing back against it. 
you know, every little conversation with just a little more stab at the gender bending dragon. Like I said, I, I think a wave is coming. I think there's a there's a there's a lot of fed up people, but also I think the D trans movement is picking up some momentum. Um, more of them are coming out and they're telling their stories and they're speaking out about you know what they went through and how they're treated by the me medical industry. Once they're like not patients anymore, you're basically thrown aside. They don't give a shit about you anymore. Richie talked all about that, you know, on on our episode. So it's just like with more of that coming out, I can see. I can just see a wave of resistance emerging and um, I'm a little hopeful, you know, I think, I think we will look back at this time. I don't know how long from now, but we'll look back at some of these practices, the way we look back at like lobotomy and, and electroshock therapy and things of that sort, which we thought were such brilliant medical practices at the time. Right. And now we look back at it and we're like, that was nuts. Why did we do that? Oh, you know, like, Here's a dirty secret about electroshock. So it's still a last resort for severe depression. Okay, interesting. And that is depression that cannot, does not respond to medications, basically. <laughs> and what they do now, now this is what they do. They knock you out, they put, put a little thing in your mouth that way you don't bite your tongue off. And then, and then they hook you up for electrodes and they zap you a little bit. A None little of this, not, nothing like what you saw in like, yeah the past movie like with you know the movie i'm talking about where it's like yeah, yeah. Like, like this and the problem with it though is that it can cause it's hit or miss with patients they have absolutely no depression anymore it's great they have their life back blah 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 other patients they still have their depression and they've lost their members too uh, yeah <laughs> so it's really just kind of like kind of like Kind of like adults who trans and get the surgery, it's hit or miss, you know, some of them do settle into it. Like you have people like, you know, like a uh, Buck Angel and stuff and they're, they're doing their thing. Right? And Blair, I know, didn't get like total surgery, like bottom wise, but like trans, right. And it's fine being trans and has settled into that, et cetera. It's, it could be hit or miss for the adults, but it's like as a one size fits all, it's just, that's not how we should be selling this. And that I think is the biggest problem here is that it's being sold in this way as this, this fix it solution. That's going to solve your problems when we know it's not the case. We know a lot of, a lot of them still end up, you know, offing themselves, et cetera. So. Audra, I, I wanted to pivot a little bit. I wanted to ask you about this like, Sam Harris interview recently. Um, I'm sure you saw the one on trigonometry where he basically was like, you know, Hunter Biden could have had literal corpses in the basement and I wouldn't have cared. Can't believe and you I, said that. <laughs> it's just like it's funny that you mentioned corpses in the basement. Um, no, but I I just thought it was a really good example of you know somebody who is sort of lauded as this like intellectual you know heavyweight having a very sort of like basic bitch take. And uh, I, I don't know. I just wanted to see what you thought about it because I saw you your know, tweet. I, I'll be honest with you. I think these people are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These people are crazy. Like they are. Um, wow. Like okay. So you don't have any, what it tells me is that Biden could literally burn the entire country down, and they'll be like, "Thank God that Trump yeah. wasn't in office." Yes, like, exactly. Could literally, be freezing to death in our houses with no natural gas, like they are in Germany now, by the way, or. Um, we could have such high food prices that we're literally like 
you know, killing and eating our dogs and our pets, okay, for, for sustenance. But and thank, God. thank God, thank God Trump isn't in office. No you mean know? tweets. No mean tweets. And, and it's like, whoa. Like, even, even now, I mean, I've gone into full doomsday prepper. Like, I have, like, a canning kit and I have, like, a big nice. garden out front. Hell yeah. You have to. You gotta be ready. I'm thinking about adding chickens because the way the way they're attacking like farming, you know, the way that the environmentalists are attacking farming, well, I can have my own chicken food and raise my own chickens. Food prices are going up too. Get those eggs, man. Problem is though, is chickens are kind of cute. And I don't know how I feel about, you know, killing Fred the chicken. You know, you know your husband kill the chicken. Yeah, That's fine. Do it. That's his yeah. job. I mean, he's a hunter, so he could probably do it. Totally. <laughs> but, you know, I would feel bad that I'm eating Fred, you know, and like. Well, you know, Fred's not going to live forever, you know. Fred is a good and, right. Not going to live forever. That's right, you know. Um, but but in all seriousness, yeah, they, they act like he could burn the entire country to the ground. And they would be just fine with it because because Trump is in an office. And like, I'm sorry, I'm not even the I'm not even the Trumpiest person. They're like, will you worship Trump? I'm like, actually, I'm a DeSantis girl. But go on, you know. I think DeSantis is like far superior to Trump in literally every way. But yes. you know, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, what I'm saying like I would love to see like a ticket with with um, DeSantis on it. And I think the fact that Pence is trying to run now is really funny. Really funny. <laughs> I, would, I would. This this is like my kind of like dream pair, just because I'm curious what it would look like. But like, you know, like a Tulsi VP with DeSantis president cabinet would be really interesting. Because I feel like Tulsi would be the only Democrat who could like bring like a bit of unity to the government and would and would be able to work with a Republican president. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, Tulsi's the only one who has a brain, though. Like the rest of them, I don't know what's going she was on. Willing like, to talk, she's willing to at least go to the other side of the fence and have rational conversations and try to figure out some common ground. No one else really wants to freaking do that from the Democrats. They just want to demonize every no, Republican, the, well, every conservative. The, the Democratic every, Party these days is really just—it's uh, like a thinly veiled communist party. They just—they want to be able to order everyone around. They want to be able to that fabricate way. the truth with whatever lies you know suits them, whatever's convenient. They want to shove it down our throats. They want us to not be able to question yeah. or critique. Yeah, and they want to use minorities for as like their political tools, and then they cast you out when you don't conform to the way they. They view things. Yeah, well, they're I mean, look so, at the way they treated women. Like, I was yeah. watching the abortion hearings, and I watched this woman talk about pregnant people the whole time. Can't even and say the word. Was like, well, do you mean women? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he, he was like, well, you know, and acknowledging trans people is leaving them prone to violence. He's like, I'm wishing violence upon trans people by pointing out that the majority of people who get pregnant are women, you know, like- oh, All people who get pregnant are women. Let's be very clear here. <laughs> all people, well, not no, the majority. Like, I remember that video, it was, it was Senator Hawley, I believe, was going back and forth with this yeah. lady activist. Yeah, that was the lady. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And then she, she like- The eyes too. She was like, really like wide eyes. crazy eyes. Yes, she really did. And she was a professor from Berkeley and I'm like, Oh God, really? Yeah. Well, yeah, like, 
this stuff is really prevalent in academia. That's where it's it's trickled out from academia and now has spilled out into our society. And this is why, you know, like Jordan Peterson, I, wait, I bring wait, him wait. up just because he was always, he was on the nose about that, man. He was oh, calling You referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. <laughs> Would that be women? <laughs> Many women, cis women have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, We it's, can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this so right bad. then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. So we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is, denying that trans people exist by asking are you, you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people exist. And that leads oh to violence. Is this God. how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, no. They're, they're told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn wow. a lot. I've learned a lot. This exchange. Wow. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. I've learned a lot. But that's the thing. Like, a lot of people, they, they think, oh, well, erasing the word woman isn't like a women's rights issue. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And what annoys me about it, too, is men are like, men are being referred to as havers. Yeah. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody else. Nobody else yeah. is being we're, we're, we're being erased too. Men are being erased, erased and replaced with our genitals. Yeah, we're being erased too. Like, <laughs> like we talked about this a bit. At the, I guess at the beginning of the show, but it's crazy. Like we we are encountering people who are trying to shame us for not wanting to touch a vagina that is attached to a trans man or not wanting, not being attracted to someone who say has a facsimile penis, say, you know, it was it a phalloplasty and that we, that's not what we're into as gay men. We are gay men. We are homosexual. We're attracted to males, the same sex males. And that doesn't just mean what you look like from the top up. It means the parts down below it means all the parts. Well, and I hate to tell, to say this, they're erasing us. <laughs> They're accusing us of doing it. Like Right, and right. I'm just saying though, like when you look at tan like I'll give you an example from Healthline. They said men are, you know, prone to prostate cancer. This is how you look at the stuff. People who have uteruses and cervixes are prone to cervix cancer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Okay now. Isn't that a neat little trick that y'all did? Yeah. Isn't yep. that and you know people think it's not that big of a deal and they think oh well you know and i'm like it's a huge deal it's and i can't deal. wait to be honest with you biden keeps claiming that he's like this huge women's rights activist right well have you heard about what he's doing for type to title nine no elaborate 
Ooh, let me tell you what he's doing in seven nine. Okay. So basically, he wants to include gender identity as somebody who is a woman in law. Okay. Yeah, they've been trying to do this for a while, right? And it like So what that basically means is that you can't exclude trans women from sports. You can't exclude trans women from let's say I send my daughter to Catholic school because you know, I I feel like that's the only place she might be safe at this point. We'll see what happens in five years. But but like you can't tell this boy who has a piece like sorry you can't use the women's locker room you can't just run around naked in the women's, women's locker room with your penis hanging out like you need to go like change in the in the room that is body. yes that matches people with a penis you know and like you can't and also the worst part about it too is that um it competes women against trans women. So in other words, let's say that I'm a woman and I don't want a room with a trans woman in, in a dorm. Because I don't, by the way. Like, I don't know you and I'm not comfortable living with, with, with a I'm just not, you know? And I'm not going to apologize for that. So anyway, basically, her right to privacy and to being able to select her own dorm partner is pitted against the right, I guess, for a trans woman to be affirmed. I'm not really sure what what that is. And the whole reason we even made Title IX is because women always lose whenever whenever those two things are pitted against each other. That's the whole purpose of Title IX, was to make sure that women have sports, our own bathrooms, our own sports teams. Um, and what they're doing in the women's prisons in particular, like a lot of women in, in prison have like, um, rape trauma and all kinds of stuff like that. And they're putting fully intact males into the women's prison. And from what I was reading, um, quite a few of them have previous sex abuse too. Yeah. Pregnancies too. There was a recent case in New Jersey, actually a couple months ago where an inmate, or I think two inmates. Yeah. He got, he got two, two people pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. They transferred him back. Thank God. And I was like, yay, you know, and um, it's just, it's crazy. It's totally crazy. So, you know, you can't replace women as a distinct sex class and expect to, to be caring about women's rights. Like, sorry. Is Title IX, is that a legislation change? So then they have to pass, they would have to pass a law of, of some sort. Right. And already um, there's nine state governors who've no, I think it's 20 who are saying we're going to sue you if you do this because it's it does other screwy things too. Like I'm sure it encourages, for example, um, parents to be lied to by their schools, even though they're already being lied to by the schools. But but even more so. Okay, it also um, it, he's using the U.S. Department of Agriculture, I guess, to deny lunch money for poor kids to school districts who keep women's sports exclusively to natal women. Wow. He's doing all kinds of screwy, screwy stuff with um, women's stuff in particular. And so I just think it's going to be really funny because in 42 days, he whether he's signing off on these Title IX changes. And um, 
I think, to be honest with you, if it, it <laughs> I mean, I think Democrats politically wise have a really good shot at being women's rights, quote unquote, you know, with the whole abortion thing. If you, but this is just going to shine a big bright light back on. <laughs> well, you care about what, well, you, so essentially what you're saying is it's okay that women are put at risk for rape and, and things of that nature, just so long as they get an abortion. Right. Oh my gosh. It's, it's really sickening when you actually look at it and you're like, and I'm not saying that all, I'm definitely not saying that all trans people are, are um, nefarious, but I will say I find it very interesting that the moment that California had this new change, there were so many men who had a history of rape applying to go into the women's prison. I just thought that was really, really interesting. And so um, just, you know, it, it, it's not about like excluding trans people. It's about safety. Like women are smaller. <laughs> That's just- yeah, so we, can, we can afford safety for trans people without, you know, sacrificing the safety of women. I yeah, think they, trans people, they need their own bathrooms. I think they need their own space where they can have privacy and dignity. I, I don't think any person who goes out in public should have to worry about, oh my God, if I use this bathroom, I might get beaten up by this by this woman's husband. If I right. use this bathroom, I bet, might get beaten up by a whole bunch of guys in there who, who hate me because I'm, I'm wearing a skirt. You know what I'm saying? Like to have to think about that all day long, 24 hours a day, I think that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. like we need... They need their own bathroom. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs to go tangle potty sometimes. <laughs> yeah, everybody has a right to go potty. Totally. Um, yeah. Guess we'll end on that note. Well, that's a good place Everyone to has it. the right to go potty <laughs> in peace. Yeah, exactly. And I don't understand it. Like I said to people, we have bathrooms for disabled people. Why do we not give give? Trans people, their own bathrooms. Like this would solve so many problems. But I, I know some people, although, who take an even harsher position than that. And like Josh Locum, for example, thinks we shouldn't cater at all, even in that way. He's like, we shouldn't even, it's no one's responsibility to make third party bathrooms, et cetera. I think it should just be by a business by business discretion. You know, I think if a business wants to make yeah, a lot of businesses just have their own, they just have their own. Know. Well, they, they yeah. have these neither it's nicer. They have individual like stalls that are like actual bathrooms where you, you walk, you know, go through a door and there's a sink and, and a toilet. Yeah. And it's very private and nice. Um, now, not all businesses are going to be able to do that. Yeah. And so it's a little bit more, you know, business by business or, you know, depending on what you're talking about. But yeah, I don't see any reason why we can't have, you know, like just an acceptance for in like use the bathroom you want. But like, if you're, if you're like, obviously look like a dude, like don't go into the women's, like, <laughs> I don't get why. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go into the women's if there's like, if it's like a, a you know, a, a door, you know, it's like, it's just a bathroom and there's like, a, like the things already in the guys. Cause I'll be quick. I'm just in and out. But like, if it's you like, mean, you mean like a single use, bathroom. like a single use. Yeah. yeah. Depending yeah, on the into a bathroom where there's like other, like there's women like yeah, doing okay. their thing. Like, and, do, and, and don't, don't take me as cruel. I do care that like, for example, that I would worry about Blair White going to prison in the men's prison. Like sure. I would worry about her. I would worry about, you know, anybody who looks different or acts different in in that type of situation. But we need to 
we need to reduce um we gotta reduce- roll this shit in it's getting too crazy. We gotta stop. You know, too many. Th- there's too many cases of abuse happening. We know it's happening. Yeah, we had uh, Heather Mason on the show, yeah. and she's she's a, a part of Cause Bar, which is a Canadian women's uh, sex-based rights group, and she they do a lot of work. Issue. Because yeah. in Canada, it's like it is in California. You will go. You know, you can apply to transfer to be in the prison of your sexual identity, and because of the way that the Canadian law is, it's very you know pro yeah. that. And you don't you don't have to get the bottom surgery. Yeah, you don't have to like be surgery. Self-identify yeah. it. So it's it's nuts. You know, definitely you know check that conversation out because we went in depth about that and just the type of experiences that she's had. Just trying to resist it over there and like change it. You know, because I think a lot of people are just scared. They don't want to say anything. Everyone's too afraid yep. of being canceled. And a lot of the times, she said that women who have been abused will not speak up about the abuse because the offender was a trans person. And they don't want to be perceived as transphobic. Yep. Right. And and that's and also too, what bothered me is that women have come out and been reporting that they've reported it to the prison guards, hey, I'm uncomfortable, et cetera. So they put them in solitary. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yep. Like no. It like yeah. like I said, why why can't this person have their own cell? Why can't you just room trans women? Yes. Yeah, so. And room, you know, natal women with natal women. Like, that would make sense, right? Yeah. So Heather proposed a um, a third, like a, a, an extra wing in the men's prison for trans women specifically. It's right. <laughs> a problem. There's not a bunch of like trans yeah. men that want to be housed with the with men. The men yeah. They don't do that. The That's trans men the are always housed with the women. They're and housed it's never with the women. Yeah, it's never a problem. <laughs> the problem is... Let's be real. We're nicer. So yeah. the women are nicer. Let's be real. So yeah. like... Um, well, and like, testosterone and all that stuff, we are more aggressive. It's just, it is how we are. It's definitely in our nature. You know, I can tell you that from experience. Yeah. And like I said, I think, I think, um, I don't look as bigotry. I look at it as we're all fighting for resources. We're fighting for safety. We're fighting for dignity. We're fighting for, you know, to be safe. And I, I don't see why we can't get, we'll all get what we want, you know, exactly. and negotiate this. Why trans people can't have their own ways of being safe and protected or whatever, while bio women can still have their own way. Women can still have their own way of, of being protected as well, just in case. You know, like you said, it doesn't mean they're all predators. <clears throat> too many instances. Even one instance is too much. One instance of, of it happening, you know, is too much. And I think even just one is enough to get us to maybe step back and say, hey, let's reevaluate how we're dealing with this as a society. Yeah. Well, yeah. On that note, um, thanks again for watching, guys. Uh, Audra, Audra, where can they find everyone. you? Yeah, remind everyone, where can they find you? Do you have a website? Me on Twitter at AudraF637. And hopefully this was a good conversation. It was. No, it was great. It. Yeah. This is fun. Very good conversation. Um, guys, remember, like, comment, subscribe. If you want to help us continue doing this and having these very difficult conversations. Please donate some money. And yeah, we'll see you again for another episode. Take care. End the recording. Bye-bye.